Hey kids, this is me, Icy Robots, and we're back for another super exciting, super fun episode of World's Famous. This week we're going to talk sandwiches, sandwiches, and more sandwiches. Also, we're going to talk about Star Wars cards and some flea market junk too. It's going to be great, but uh, until we get to that greatness, Grandmaster Grandpa, kick that beat. OK, Icy Robot, I am on the Tech 12 This is One Time for Your Mind. This is World's Famous with IC Robots. I was uh, I was at the mall the other day, and this isn't this isn't really going to be like an, an interesting story. It's just uh, it's just kind of I don't know, man, something that happened in my life. But I was I was at the mall the other day with, with the wife. We like we like to go down and get an orange Julius, and we walk around. Mostly we walk around and and we look at shoes. There's like there's like three shoe stores downstairs and like two upstairs, as well as like. Macy's has, you know, there's there shoes everywhere. So we go and we like to walk around and, and look at like tanny runners. That's that's what one of my teachers back in seventh grade used to call them. She called called them tanny runners. So anyway, we got we got the orange Julius and we sat in the uh, the food court for a few minutes and we, and we drank it and then we decided to like just go walk around a little bit and, and look at the aforementioned shoes. And as we're as we're going by, they have like a bank of uh, massage uh, chairs, the kind that you like insert a dollar and it does a couple minutes and like. I had this pain in my lower back. I was doing, I was doing deadlifts at the gym, and I hurt my back a little bit. It was a little tweaked, so I decided, you know, let's uh, let's put a couple bucks into the in, in, into the massage chair. chair. So, so she sat down in one, and she put in her couple bucks, and it starts going. And then I, I go to sit in mine, and I, I look down, and it's it's not working. Like the the dollar bill thing, it's just like you could see it's all it's like blinking lights, like it's not working. So I move over to the other one, and I look, and like that one's not working either. So I just start sitting there, and then after a couple minutes of sitting there, and I think this is something they do to stop people from, uh, you know, just like lounging in the chairs. This this voice starts up, and it starts going like da 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 da. da. So I went back and I sat in the other one, and then I'm I'm sitting there, and then this other voice starts going off in the chair to try to deter people from sitting in it. So it's like I have one in one ear. And then I have the other one in the other ear, and I'm just like, I'm just sitting there. So I decide, well, I'm just gonna get up. This is, this is whack. This is annoying, and I must be ruining her massage chair experience because you can hear these voices really loud. So I stand up, but like the voices don't stop. They just keep going and going and going. And then when you combine it with this Howard Jones sound in the background, it's like, it's like it's like being in the uh, the, the deep pit of Hades. And and this is this is like not super interesting either. But like as I'm standing there waiting for her her time to run out, I look up and I see, I see this guy Chris. This dude Chris was my mailman for like I'm not even exaggerating like 10, 15 years. This guy was like a regular everyday mailman. I would see him, I'd talk to him. He's a nice guy. Always took my packages. Always got the mail right. Really, really friendly guy. Really uh, Johnny on the spot. But I. I see Chris. Chris is retired. He recently retired, and he got replaced by Johnny, our, our new mailman, who's also really good. Shout out to the USPS. But I see Chris, who I haven't seen since he retired, and he's walking by, and he was wearing what I thought was the USPS uniform, you know, the blue shorts and the blue shirt. But then I look closely, and it's like, it wasn't a USPS uniform. It was, like, very similar to a USPS outfit. It was, like, same color, same everything, and he's even wearing a blue hat, like his blue postman hat, and... On top of that, he had like, he had like a shoulder bag, like a mail carrier bag, and he walks by, and I'm like, that's so weird, guy. Guy still still uh, cosplaying a mailman after after all this time, and then I, I see him walk by. He didn't see me. He walks by, and I saw him go into a store, 
he went into a Bed Bath & Beyond. He walked in for a second, then he walked out, and then he walked into the other store, and he walked out, and then he moved on, he walked into the other store, and walked right out. It was like, it was like Homeboy was doing a route. It was really, really weird to me. I, I, I didn't, I didn't know what to make of it, but combined with like these voices in the chair, this Howard Jones song, this all became a very surreal scene that I felt like I should share with you guys, even though it's not like all that amazing. But anyway, let's, uh, let's move forward and open some cards. Return to Earth. Let's open a pack of weird trading cards. I know all about waiting for my family. Dear child. The belonging you seek is not behind you, it is ahead. Follow me. Star Wars The Force Awakens. Back when uh back when the Star Wars The Force Awakens came out, like way back in what was it, like 2015, 2016, something like that. Like way, 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 way back. Me and Star Wars were, were kind of on the outs. I I, I kind of suffered through the through the prequels and all that, but my heart definitely wasn't into it like it was back in the back in the very early days of uh, Return of the Jedi and stuff. But uh, when Force Awakens came out, I was really, I really got invigorated by Star Wars. I really came back into the fold, like wholeheartedly. I thought the movie was great. I thought all the new characters were awesome. I loved Poe. I loved Finn. I loved Rey. I loved Kylo Ren. I love all of them. They're all super great. That movie was awesome. It was really. Really like setting off on a nice foot for a new, a new saga, but then, I don't know, things things kind of went another direction and it sort of fell apart and it was all fine and stuff, but I don't, I don't think it lived up to the, uh, the, the first one, but I, I do this segment, as you know, about trading cards. And when I do it, sometimes I have to go out and actually find cards. Like a lot of the times, I get the cards at the flea market or get the cards here and there, but every once in a while I gotta, I gotta go out and search for cards. And when I, when I do, I try to... I try to think of, like, what are things that may introduce, like, a lot of rookie cards into the mix. Because the first appearance is what what makes the most sense. So I thought, well, what about Star Wars The Force Awakens? It's a whole relaunch. You got all these new dudes. You got, you know, Captain Phasma. You got all kinds of characters that could potentially be rookie cards. So I went on the online and I looked up uh, Force Awakens cards. And it turns out the Force Awakens cards are not, in fact, the rookie cards of the Force Awakens characters. The... The rookie cards of the Force Awakens characters are contained in a set called Journey to Star Wars, The Force Awakens. These cards came out in 2015 by Topps, and what it does is it goes movie by movie. It goes through all the original trilogy movies, and then right after that, it leads directly into uh, a Force Awakens. So you see the entire story of Luke Skywalker. You see him do this. You see him all the way through Empire Returns. And then on card number... It's card number 80 in what is a, let's take a look, it is a 110 card set. So it's mostly cards from the old movies, but from 80 on are cards from the new movies. So, for example, on card number, let's see, I'm looking at Trading Card Database, tcdb.com, one of my favorite websites out there. It's a great resource. On card number, card number 81 is Finn on the Run. That's your first Finn. Card number 82, BB-8, rolls into action, first BB-8. 
Then you got Ray Piloter Speeder, 84, first Ray, 87, first Kylo Ren, so on and so forth, Poe being number 90. So I went on the online, and I was going to buy a pack of these. A pack was like four bucks. But then I found somebody had a what we would call a, a rack pack. It's two packs combined together in one. They had a rack, rack pack for around the same price. So I said, well, why don't I just buy the rack pack? So I got it right here, and it's in... It's in like a, you know, like a Mylar, shout out to Engineer Nerd Wrapper, the the plastic type that they also make balloons out of, very, very toxic. But I have two of those, and each one has, it doesn't look like, doesn't look like a lot of cards. It's 14 cards in all, so it's seven per pack. We're gonna, we're gonna bust into these. I'm pretty excited. I don't, I don't have a lot of hope, to be honest. I use the uh, Vidal Sassoon scissors there to get in, because it's a lot of cards. And only a few of them are very desirable. But let's let's take a look. The first one we have here is the Resistance Joins the Fight. This is card number 93. So it is later in the movie, which is a good sign. And then we have a lightsaber from the past. And it's a picture of a lightsaber being handed to a, handed to a Jedi here. This is card number 92. So we're, we're actually in decent shape. Then we have a mysterious figure. This is a picture of R2-D2, and it has a hand. This is 91. So it looks like looks like they're going down in order. So we actually, uh, I don't know. Well, no, this is card number six. This is uh, from one of the prequels. Then we got card number... They don't have any info on the back, so this isn't like... This isn't honestly as fun as I thought it would be. Oh, this one actually does. Hold on. Most of these were puzzle pieces, but this one here... Uh, number, number six, a Star Wars card. It says, no sooner does Senator Amidala arrive on Corsican than an explosive assassination attempt is made, killing a valiant decoy. Okay, this is, this is a prequel card. I honestly, like, I saw the prequels, I guess. I know I saw the first one. The wife insists that I saw the other two. I don't remember them. She insists that we did see the other two, but I, I couldn't tell you the story of them, honestly. It's all, it's all left my mind. It looks like that is, uh... It looks like that is, what's his name, uh, Anakin Skywalker, maybe, it's hard to say, it's all, it's all a blur, the next one is Across the Chasm, this is a Star Wars movie, Star Wars 5 of 10, it's, uh, it's the one where Luke and Leia are about to swing across the chasm in the Death Star, that's, that's risky, then there's a Great Disturbance in the Force, that is card number 31, it's Obi-Wan, Alex Guinness telling, uh, Luke Skywalker that he just felt something happen in the Force, then we have... Card number 83, Stormtroopers en route. That card there is in the numerical range we want, but it's not the card we want. But, you know, hope springs eternal. Let's, uh, let's cut into this one. We're going to take a, take a peek at the second card in the Wax Pack set. And this is card number, it is like a, uh, movie poster card. It says, Star Wars, The Force Awakens. This is card number 110. Nice Nice image of two movie posters combined together. Then we have one of the Rebel base. This is Star Wars Fact 7 of 10. George Lucas screened an early cut of the film for his friend. Among them were Brian De Palma, John Milius, and Steven Spielberg. They all hated it. That's not what it says at all. But let's just, let's imagine that it does. And this one here is a blank piece of cardboard. We'll throw that in there. Then we have, uh, let's flip these around. I saw a head to one of them. That's no fun. The next card is this 41. It's Luke on a Tauntaun. Again, these are nice pictures, but we're not drawing what we want. Then we got 
a Sith Returns. It's two guys fighting against, uh, what's that guy's name? Darth Maul. It's the, uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fighting against Darth Maul. Those are all cool characters, to be honest. I watched that Obi-Wan show. I thought it was cool, man. I really did enjoy it. I know some people are kind of, kind of, I don't know about it, but I thought it was fun. I definitely had a good time with that, and it wasn't like 15 episodes. Pretty, pretty short. I, I, I liked it. I would, see, I would watch season two, if there was one. Then we got Order 66. The evil Order 66, which is... Which is, as you know, when they ordered all the uh, young Jedi Padawans destroyed. That's that's a horrible scene, I'm going to say. If you go and you chop up a bunch of Padawans, there's no redemption for you. You can't come back. You can't say, you know, I was sorry. I was I was manipulated by the dark side. I'm sorry, dude. That's pretty heinous, man. That's horrible. If you kill people, you can't really... You can't redeem yourself that well. Unless it was maybe an accident. Or you only did it once. <laughs> I apologize. We got a sticker of Boba Fett. That's pretty cool. And then another one is the card of the First Order. Man, we struck out. I, I'm i kind of bummed. For a minute there, we came close numerically. And sometimes sometimes they do kind of follow that pattern. If you get like 83, you get 84. If you get 84, you get 85. Sometimes they go that way. And then I, I, got a, I had a feeling that it might. But then... It flipped the script and didn't. So we didn't we didn't get that. But still, Force Awakens was so much fun, dude. That was such a good movie. I remember when I when I saw it in the theater, I I went in not knowing what to expect. The trailers looked good, the commercials looked good, it all looked fun, but I didn't know what to expect. And I I was just like I was blown away. I was blown out of my seat. I thought it was so great. I thought Ray was such a charming character. I thought following the story of this this young lass who comes from nothing and it's going to eventually lead to her saving the universe. These things are all about saving the universe. So it's going to lead that way and it's going to be cool. We're going to see all of it. And it did it did turn out that way and all, but just like not in the way we thought. Not as not as well as we thought. I feel like people people kind of buckled when they saw Rey as the main character. A lot of these mutants out there kind of flipped their wigs and I think that, I think Disney buckled. You can't buckle with these things. You got to follow where the story goes. But that's neither here nor there. Let's, uh... Let's jump forward. We're gonna we're gonna find out what's going on that oh wacky dacky Japanese baseball league. Yo. Chaji. This week in Japanese league baseball, the Hiroshima Park brought a three to zero lead against the Swallows into the sixth inning, only to see it vanish with one swat of Munataka Murakami's bat. 22-year-old defending CL MVP brought in three runs and his team ultimately won 6-3. As a curtain call, Murakami went yard two more times in the game's final two innings, as the Swallows crushed the Carp 9-2. Murakami leads NPB with 29 home runs and 78 RBI. In other news, the Chunichi Dragons defeated the Yomiuri Giants 3-2 in extra innings. On a bases loaded hit by pitch, they remain in last place though. That was this week in Japanese League Baseball. Up next, the best sandwiches, state by state. The best sandwiches. The best sandwiches. State by state. A few months ago, well, let's take a look. A little a little while back, it was actually, it was way back in March. I did an episode of uh, World's Famous, the show you're listening to right now is episode number 32, in which I went over the top five sandwiches of all the time and space. This episode, this episode did pretty well, all things considered, and I decided, you know, 
maybe sometime I should revisit the sandwich topic. And then when I was, I was sitting around the house and I got my uh, latest Reader's Digest magazine. I really do enjoy Reader's Digest. It's like, it's like a bunch of little bite-sized things that you can enjoy at your leisure. Very, very easy, very family-friendly stuff. It's nice to read when you're in the bathtub. It's nice to read right before you go to bed. Really, really cool stuff. It's kind of the magazine equivalent of uh, the Archie Double Digest. And recently, they ran an article where they ran down the best sandwich in each and every state. And I was laying in the tub, and I'm reading this article, and I said, you know, this is good stuff. This is a really nice list, and I wonder if this might be something that the listeners of the show would be interested in. So I decided, hey, why don't I run this down here and, and even... Even to make it more fun, why don't I go out on the tweets and say, hey, if you guys have a sandwich or a steak you would like me to talk about, I will do so in detail. So I got like, I got a small list. We're going to run over each and every one. Most of them are going to glance at. We're just going to kind of take a little peek. And I got some here that we're going to do special style. And I hope to, uh, I hope to have some surprises along the way. So let's, uh, let's jump into this. What is the first state and the first sandwich? Bro. The first state is Alabama and their sandwich is called chicken and white sauce. Thanks, Derek. This is an interesting looking one. We don't know what prompted Decatur's Big Bob Gibson to make a barbecue sauce with mayonnaise and vinegar, but we do know it's great on hickory smoked chicken. Nearly 100 years later, that sauce is sold in grocery stores throughout the state. So we have a picture of this one. It's like a it's like a whole pile of chicken covered in like a white sauce on a on a bun and there's there's pickles and stuff. That looks like that looks like a good sandwich. I've never, not never tried that one. Then up next we have Alaska. The Alaska sandwich is salmon salad. The last frontier is also one of the last places where wild salmon thrive, and Alaskans turn their surplus into a sandwich spread. That's that's nice. You take like you take a beautiful fish like a salmon and you grind it up into a spread. I I don't know if I get behind that. I, I I'm not like I'm not a big salmon guy. I don't I don't really like the flavor. I'm not really like I'm not really, like, super into fish. I do like, like, a tuna sandwich, and I do like, you know, like a cod, like a nice white fish. But the the salmon has always eluded me. It's a little bit too flavorful for my taste, but it's a, it's a beautiful fish. And on this sandwich, you put mayo, celery, and onions, and you layer it with a crispy cucumber on top. And then up next, we have Arizona, and their sandwich is a fry bread sandwich. The toppings are far less important than the shell of Navajo fry bread, a cornerstone of Native American cuisine and culture but also it's a painful reminder of persecution. When the Navajo were forced out of Arizona about 150 years ago, they had to subsist on U.S. Army rations instead of their own crops and found that frying flour in lard created a golden pillowy bread. I have had fry bread. I, I think it's, it's good, man. It's really good stuff. I, I don't really know how much I like this sandwich on the list, honestly, because it's not really so much a sandwich as they're saying it's a preferred style of bread, but I don't know. I don't, I don't imagine Arizona's really known for their culture, if you catch my drift, but, uh, at any, at any, let's, uh, let's move forward. Number four, Arkansas. This is a big shout out to Vic Sage, big shout out to our guy Phil, big shout out to all the homies there in Arkansas, the catfish, po' boy. Although po' boys could come with any multitude of meats on fluffy French bread, fried catfish is a fitting and filling choice in the birthplace of the commercial catfish industry. Man, catfishes are wild. They are so wild looking. I have seen ones that like were, were massive. I saw a video of a gal who was like down, she was down in a crick. She was down in the crick and she had her arm like out in a hole. And she like, I don't know what you do. Like you, you hand fish them. Like you reach in and you grab their guts and pull them up. I don't know. But she pulled out a catfish that was like, I am not even kidding. This thing was a monster. They are so big. 
back when we used to live in, in, in Illinois, my mom would make catfish from time to time. My mom is a, my mom is from the South. She's from a Tennessee. We have, we have pretty strong Southern roots on that side, and she would make catfish all of the time. I think I just said sometimes, but it was more like in between sometimes and all the time. I, we had it pretty frequently. Let's just say that, and I love it. It has this weird. This weird taste of, like, earth and dirt. I, I haven't had it at all since we moved to California, but back back in Illinois, we would eat it all the time. And I gotta say, I would definitely eat a catfish. Oh, boy. What's next, Derek? Up next is our state dude. California love, bro. Yeah, man, California love. Let's, uh, well, Derek, do you want to read this? There's nobody more in California than you, dude. Sure, I will read it for you. Let's see. The French dip sandwich. Two Los Angeles eateries, Philippe's and Cole's, each claim to be the birthplace of this baguette sandwich with roast beef. The whole shebang then gets dunked in the beef's jus, that's French for gravy. Bro, I love a French dip. I haven't had one in ages but bro they are mad good. Bro check it out. I actually know the history of the sandwich. Let me tell you really quick. The story of the sandwich's invention has several variants. Some sources say that it was first created by a cook or a server who, while preparing a sandwich for a police officer or fireman, accidentally dropped it into a pan of meat drippings. The patron liked it, and the dish surged in popularity shortly after its invention. Other accounts say that a customer who didn't want some meat drippings to go to waste requested his sandwich be dipped in them. Still others say that a chef dipped a sandwich into a pan of meat drippings after a customer complained that the bread was stale. Cole's account states that the sandwich was invented by a sympathetic chef, Jack Garlinghouse, for a customer who was complaining of sore gums. Some accounts tell Philippe's version of events, but assign the location to Cole's. The mystery of the sandwich's invention might not be solved due to a lack of information and observable evidence. That's awesome, man. Thanks, Derek. You know, I really, uh, I really do like a French dip. I haven't had one in a while, but there was, like, this period of time where me and the crew were hanging out at Denny's. We were, like, at Denny's all the time, and just, like, every single time we would go, I would order a, uh, a French dip, and I, I really grew to like them, like, like, quite a bit. The other, the other day we were over at the donut shop, and I looked up, and they have, like, you know, donuts, and then, like, Chinese food, and some, like, American fare and stuff, and I, I looked up on the board, and they had, they had the French dip listed. I hadn't noticed it listed before, but it was up there, and I was like, I was so tempted. I was so tempted to get one, but we were only stopping in for one donut, you know, we're, we're calorie conscious and stuff, and I couldn't, uh, I couldn't throw a French dip on top of the, on top of the crumb donut, but man, I saw it, and I'm like, that looks, that looks so tempting. I haven't had one of these in such a, such a long time. It seems, it seems like it would be gross when you have this big meat sandwich, and you, uh, you dip it in this juice, this grease. You would think it's gross, but it is in fact not gross at all. Let's uh, let's move forward on the sandwich list. I actually I put it down here so Derek could move next to the uh, next to the microphone, and let's let's find it up again. We are now on Colorado. There was a brief period of time in my life where we lived in Colorado. We lived in Colorado Springs for like a very brief period of time. I don't know if I've ever really talked about that, but it's. It's an interesting period. Their sandwich is called the Fool's Gold. Peanut butter, blueberry jam, and a pound. Yes, a whole pound of bacon. Dreamed up in Denver and served on sourdough. This variation on the classic has one famous fan, a man known, known as, as Elvis. Elvis. That's a crazy sandwich right there. I can't imagine anybody in real life eating that. I mean, I know that people do, and the people probably do it every single day, honestly. But, like, I can't even, I can't even imagine sitting down and macking on a peanut butter and bacon like the whole pound of bacon that's what 
that's what gets to me. Not that I don't like bacon because I do and I do like peanut butter and the whole thing sounds like it sounds like it might be very very tasty but it also it's also like smoking a pack of cigarettes you know it's like it might be fun you might have look cool you might be having a good time doing it but it's gonna it's gonna take a lot from your constitution that's that's a rough one though. I do admit that I, I might give it a shot. I I, I I feel it. I can feel it in my heart. Let's let's uh jump one ahead to the state of Connecticut. Their sandwich is something known as the clam roll. Fresh clams collected along the Connecticut coast. Fresh clams collected along the Connecticut coast. Fresh clams collected along the Connecticut coast. Fresh clams collected along the Connecticut coast star in several New England dishes. Frying them up for a sandwich with a splash of tartar sauce might be the simplest. I don't know if I've ever had a clam. I might have. I'm not very big on seafood. I know I've eaten oysters. I know I've eaten abalone. I do think that I've eaten fried clam. I'm pretty sure. I know that I had calamari, like fried calamari at one point. I do do seem to have like this, this recollection. Anything... Anything that you like fry, like in batter, it's, it's it's for the most part gonna be fine. You know, you could take I don't know, you could take anything honestly, like any weird piece of seafood. You fry it up and uh, it's good, it's fine. Especially if you dip it in tartar sauce. Tartar sauce kind of kills kills the taste of any like like a uh, seafood. But man, I don't know if I would I would try. I would try a bite of this sandwich if somebody was like, hey man, I ordered a clam roll. Do you want a bite? I would definitely I would definitely give it a shot. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. It's probably. It's probably good. Sometimes you gotta step out of your comfort zone a little bit. The next one on the list is the great, great state, state of, of Delaware. Delaware. Let's send a shout out to Ferg. Ferg of the Atari 2600. Game by game podcast. One of the all-time great podcasters in the in the universe of podcasting. A true legend. The podfather, as they say. The sandwich for the state of Delaware is one known as the Bobby. I'm not familiar. Also called Thanksgiving on a roll, the Bobby is a festive combination of turkey, cranberry juice, and stuffing that's served year-round at Capriati's, a deli chain native to the Diamond State. Its founders named the sub after their beloved Aunt Bobby, who started the family tradition of piling turkey day leftovers onto a roll. This is probably, probably not gonna be like a sandwich I'm super into. I'm not like a Thanksgiving dude. I don't like I don't really like the Thanksgiving fair. I'm not a big fan of stuffing. I can imagine that this is going to be some some popular sandwiches. I I don't think this is one that Ferg named when he was talking about the sandwiches of Delaware over on the Facebook group, facebook.com backslash robots. I'm pretty sure it's not. I kind of I kind of think he might have said some other sort of a roll, some kind of fish roll that they have there in Delaware that he's he's a big fan of. They all like the kind of, the, the fish roll. It's not a fish roll, but the, the fish roll from one place, not the fish roll from the other place, I think is something like that. He also wanted us to talk about another sandwich that's more near and dear to his heart. And we'll do that in a, in a few pages. There is a lot of states. I wasn't even aware, man. I thought there was like 10, 15 states, but there's in fact like 50, which is, which is a ton. That's a big one. The, the next one is Florida. Shout out to Carlos Perone of GeekFest Rants. Florida's number one son. The sandwich of Florida is known as the Cuban. This variation of the ham and cheese sandwich with roast pork, ham, Swiss cheese, pickles, and mustard, sometimes with salami as well, is associated with working class Cuban immigrants. This is a delicious sandwich. I've had this one many, many times and I love it. It's it's a lot like a, a Mexican torta, but it's, a, it's just like a delightful sandwich. So great. I, I, oh, I would eat one right now. I'm getting a little hungry. I might have to, uh, might have to take a break. The next one is gonna. Um, well, let's take a quick break, and we'll uh, we'll come right back and continue on to the sandwich list. 
come tu Deza Meatball, with three locations in the Bay Area. Deza Meatball, home of the big boy. Deza Meatball, home of the big boy. That's a softball-sized meatball, that's a softball-sized meatball, covered in panko and filled to a crispy crust. Covered in our family's secret rally and served in a bowl. Come to that's a meatball today. Tell them you want the big boy. That's a meatball, home of the big boy. All right, we are back. This is me. I got... I got a delicious plate of food from over at That's a Meatball. I got their vegetarian ball. It is called the Soy Boy. It's covered in gravy, deep fried, and panko. It is, it is absolutely delicious. It's not a sandwich, but they do make a mean meatball sandwich. While we're while we're on the topic of a uh, That's a Meatball, now available in Vallejo and Fremont. The the next state on the list is the great state of Georgia. Shout out to my guy. Squared Stiff, the editor in chief of Retrofied Magazine, a Georgia resident. I actually. I actually have two friends who recently moved to uh, Georgia, which I think, which I think is interesting. But the number one Georgia sandwich of all the times and all the space is the pimento cheese. You combine pimento peppers, cheddar cheese, and mayonnaise to make this tangy orange spread. It's been served on white bread at the Masters Golf Tournament in Augusta since the 60s. That's, that's interesting, man. I've always thought that a pimento loaf is, um, I don't know, it's an interesting interesting product and then having another spread i don't know i would definitely give it a shot i would give it a shot but it doesn't seem like super appealing to me i would have i would have imagined the georgia sandwich was some kind of a like a barbecue with with like shredded meat but that's just you know that's just uh, what i would imagine on to number 11 the uh the gorgeous state of hawaii i've been to hawaii two or three times and it's like it's really great man i, I need to go back there again float in the sea, do some body surfing, uh, walk up and down the strip, you know, do the, do the whole thing. The sandwich of Hawaii is called the Kalua pork. Pit smoked pork falls apart and joins tangy cabbage slaw and an optional ring of grilled pineapple on a Hawaiian bun. This, this one looks pretty good. You got the meat, then right on top of that, you got a slice of pineapple and then some coleslaw. Very, very good, bro. I would go for one of those right now. Then on to Idaho, which has the Huckleberry PB&J. Wild huckleberries are treated like jewels in the gym state. Their taste is similar to that of blueberries, but more intense. And their jam is what Idahoans reach for when assembling the classic PB&J. That's, that's interesting. I've never had a huckleberry. The only reference I know for huckleberry is, uh, you know, of course, Huckleberry Hound. I've never, not never had it, but I definitely would give it a try if you live in Idaho and you got some huckleberry jam, send it down to your boy. And up next is number 13, my original home state, the state of Illinois. There was uh, some talk of on, on Facebook about this. This was the projected sandwich of uh, Illinois, the Italian beef. Meat packers in 1930 Chicago found they could make tough beef palatable by slow roasting it. Then you... Then you put all kinds of stuff on it. I I don't know that I've ever had this sandwich. We moved away from Illinois in 1983. I was 10 years old. And, and we would get we would get deli sandwiches. But I would typically typically get just like a normal Italian sub. We ate a lot of pizza. We ate tons of hot dogs. And I don't know that I've ever actually had this sandwich. Which is, which is a shame, I suppose. And then we are on to Indiana. Shout out to Engineer Nerd at Engineer Nerd on the tweets. The Indiana sandwich is the pork tenderloin is the pork tenderloin the hoosier state is home to the tenderloin lovers trail along with that you'll find more than 70 joints serving a fried pork hammer thin busting from the bun i i like pork i do think pork is just such a, such a great meat, dude i would try this sandwich faux show let me know e-nerd if this is one of your faves on there 
even though I imagine you more for a uh, an American cheese sandwich kind of guy. Up next is the state of Iowa. Shout out to uh, our guy Eric out there in Iowa, the Maid Right. This is the uh, hmm. the Hawkeye staple was born when Fred Angel of Muscatine decided to steam hamburger meat instead of frying it. So more or less, this, this is, is a steam, steam ham, ham from, from the, the from, from the, the Simpsons. No, no, I said steamed hams. That's what I call hamburgers. You call hamburgers steamed ham? Yes, it's a regional dialect. Ah, uh, what region? Uh, upstate New York. Really? Well, I'm from Utica, and I've never heard anyone use the phrase steamed hams. Oh, not in Utica. No, it's an Albany expression. I see. And we have the sandwich of Iowa, the steamed ham, very similar to a crusty burger. We're going to move on to Kansas, and they have something called the Byrox. These dough balls stuffed with cabbage, onions, and seasoned meat came to the United States with German, Russian, Mennonites who settled in the Great Plains. So do you take these... Do you take these meatballs and put them on a sandwich? Is it like, is it much like that's a meatball? I wonder. This is, this does sound tasty. I like cabbage. I don't really uh, love onions. They kind of make my stomach upset. But of course, you got to have onions in there and dough balls. We all like dough balls. Up next is the state, the home of the guy, Mighty Matt D, who correctly projected the sandwich known as the Hot Brown. You wouldn't have been able to drink at Louisville's Brown Hotel when it first opened in 1923, but there was no prohibition on cholesterol. The recipe for the hotel's signature open-faced turkey and tomato sandwich has been perfected since then. It currently calls for heavy cream, Romano cheese, parsley, paprika, and bacon all on Texas toast. There is a picture of it here, and man, that does in fact look quite good, but uh, that's a gut buster for sure, I gotta say, but man, I would, I would definitely eat one of those. I can see in the picture here, again, you know, you don't get to see the picture, so you have no idea what I'm talking about, but... There is like a cheese, and oh, it looks, it looks pretty good, bro. I gotta give it up to Mighty Matt D and the great state of Kentucky. Alphabetically, the next state on the list is Louisiana, the state that contains the Big Easy. Derek, do you want to take this one? I, I, I've, I've ran through the last few. Do you want, you want to grab this one? This one, this, it's all you, man. Sure, bro. I can do this one. I've always wanted to go to Louisiana. I have roots in the bayou. My uncle used to live there. They called him. The Ragin' Cajun because he got into a lot of fistfights. Anyway the sandwich is the Mafaletta. This sandwich has as many origin stories as it does acceptable pronunciations. At Central Grocery and Deli in New Orleans, one of the sandwich's purported originators, it is made with a round, Sicilian-style sesame loaf piled with ham, salami, mortadella, Swiss cheese, provolone, and marinated olives, and is pronounced, mufu leta. Others in the Big Easy call it, muff a lot Brosif that sounds mad good. We should get one of those after we are done here. Have you ever had that? Dude, I have not had that, but I would for sure have that. It sounds so good. That sounds like it's actually worth just like a trip there for that. I... I've never been to Louisiana. I've never been to the Big Easy, but I, I would. It seems cool, man. It's just never... It's never been available to me as far as... Just, I don't know. I just... I guess I'm too lazy to book a flight. The... The sandwich uh, up next is number 19 from Maine. The lobster roll. Very similar to the crab roll, I would imagine. And uh, similar to the pork roll that uh, I think they sell in Delaware. Or the fish roll or whatnot. The... The lobster roll is of this... You'll find lobster shacks all up and down the eastern seaboard, but perhaps the most famous is Red's Eats in Wiscaquesset, Maine, where the buttered split-top bun barely contains all the prized pink meat. I 
I love lobsters. I gotta admit, they don't seem like something that I would like, but I think that they are so great. My favorite, my favorite of all the birthday treats, you know... When, when, when your birthday comes around, you get to pick, like, a dinner place you're going to go to or whatever. My favorite thing to do is to go out and get a lobster tail. A steak and a lobster tail. Lobster tail is so good, I would for sure eat a lobster roll. I, I've always wanted to, honestly. I hear them, I see people talk about them, and they sound, they sound really great. And I, I, I want to get in, in uh, on that. Up next is number 20. Maryland, I'm getting tired. I'm, I'm becoming very fatigued. The body's growing weary, weary crab cakes. Never had a crab cake. You can get more Mar you cannot get more Maryland than soft shell crab on white bread with mayo, lettuce, and local tomatoes. That would that would be interesting. I would give it a shot, dude. Honestly, for most of these, I'm going to give them a shot at the very least, just because if you're in Maryland, you owe it to yourself to uh to eat a crab roll. I I watch The Wire. I think The Wire is fun, and they always order these uh, lake trout sandwiches. I kind of thought the lake trout might end up being the the sandwich of Maryland. I can't even, I can't even Im imagine what that is. I'm not, I'm not like a fish guy in the first place. But when, when I do like fish, it tends to be ocean fish. I find that like lake fish and river fish are a little, a little too fishy for my taste. I, I just, I don't have that that taste for fish. I like. Just a very plain, very uh, white meat kind of fish. Then we're going to move on to Massachusetts, which has the Fluffernutter. Both Fluff, the marshmallow spread, and the sandwich it stars in were created in the Bay State. Lila Merker of Hudson, Massachusetts said, In the 1960s, I think every child in New England could sing the jingle. Oh, you need Fluff, Fluff, Fluff. You make a Fluffernutter. Marshmallow Fluff. I've never not had that. Ever had that, rather. Ever. I, I'm aware of their existence. I would hear I would hear the term fluffernutter, and I wasn't really sure what they were. I kind of figured they had something to do with peanut butter just due to the nutter, but I wasn't I wasn't like super clear. The dog just walked into the room. Then we have the walleye, the walleye sandwich from Minnesota. This is another fish, a lake fish, I bet. Minis Minneapolis has its Juicy Lucy, a cheeseburger with cheese inside. I've, I've heard of that. I've seen it on TV. But people fry this freshwater fish all over the land of 10,000 lakes. Crisp lettuce, tangy tartar sauce, and lemon wedges, not to mention cold beer, are optional accoutrements. If you gave me a cold one, you gave me some tartar sauce, I would definitely give this a shot, despite my, despite my fear of lake fish, of freshwater fish. Up next, we have, this one goes up to Esquilito, also engineered nerd. He has to get in on this because I, I, I guess he goes to Michigan or he's on the border. The, the sandwich of Michigan, shout out to those two fools, is the meat pasty. The name for these half circles of pie crust filled with minced meat and root vegetables rhymes, ironically assure you, with nasty and not tasty, so it's a meat pasty. I guess, but pasties were always more about practic practicality, practicality than flavor. The portability of these pocket sandwiches served Michigan's copper miners of the early 1800s, and it still does today. I think that's cool, man. There's a picture of it right here. It's a little, uh, it's similar to like a pierogi, you know? It's like a meat pocket with all kinds of stuff inside. The meat and the veggies look good. The wife makes this dish where she gets like cabbage and carrots and like ground beef and stuff and she mixes it all together and we eat it on like a bowl of cabbage shredded cabbage and it's good this this thing looks very similar i gotta admit man i would uh i would definitely give that a shot dude it looks so good do you um do you eat this a lot esquilito do you eat these a lot engineer nerd if you do reach out to me and let me know what that is like huh 
I just, uh, I just realized I read those wrong alphabetically and I did Minnesota first, but it's the way that it's laid out here on the page. It looks like it goes down, but this is, it's a different color. At, at, at any rate, I apologize for that. Then we go on to number 24, Mississippi, which has the Slug Burger. Don't let the name deter you. A slug was once slang for a nickel, which is what these burgers originally cost. The patties consist partly or entirely of extenders, such as flour or beans. Dating back to a Depression-era need to stretch limited supplies of ground beef, the town of Corinth has hosted an annual festival honoring this pioneer of protein substitutes since 1988. That's cool, man. We we sometimes make tacos and we mix, like, uh, beef and uh, beans and, and different things together. So I get it. I get it. I'll give this a shot. And then we have number 25, halfway through, Missouri. Missouri has a sandwich known as the Burnt Ends. The fattier edge pieces of beef brisket used to be trimmed off until Kansas City cooks realized they were the tastiest parts. What was that? Was that a phone call? Whose phone is that? Dude, I am sorry. That's my phone. Hold on. It's Big Daddy Craig. I should get this. Yeah, bro. What's up? No, I'm not busy. I'm just doing some radio stuff. Sure, I can leave. What's up? Pick you up at the nursery. You have two bags of chemical fertilizer? What's that for? Oh, you are going to grow some tomatoes? That's cool. Yeah, I will be there in a few. Smell you later. I see robots, I have to leave. Can we finish this later? The BDC needs me to pick him up at Prickett's nursery. Bro, I heard you say something about, like, chemical fertilizer. I think that's what, like, terrorists use in bombs or something, dude. You, this, this guy Big Daddy Craig's a nut, man. I, I heard that episode of your show where he was on, and that guy's, that guy's, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he's the coolest guy for you to be hanging out with. Dude, no way. It's like dirt or something. He's going to grow some heirloom tomatoes with his mom. I have to go, though. Big Daddy Craig doesn't like to be left waiting. He gets grouchy when it's hot out. Yeah, man, don't don't we all? Uh, yeah, we can we can finish this up on the next episode. Let me uh just uh I'll, I'll get a hold of you later and, and we'll figure it out. Yeah, man, call me later and we can finish this up. Adios. Yeah, man, that's true. This is me, I see robots, and I am bad to the bone. I went to the flea market the other week. We're gonna, we're gonna finish up right here. I just wanna, I wanna get these few things out there, and I... I was looking around, you know, doing my thing, walking back and forth, and I saw my guy, Alan. This guy, Alan, I don't really know where he gets his stuff, but he has, like, he has tons and tons and tons and tons of just, like, loose, loose toys, loose, just cool stuff. It's, like, piles and piles, and he's always, he's always coming out with new stuff, and the thing is, it's always all good stuff. It's not just, like, garbage. It is kind of, like, garbage action figure parts and action figure toys and things like that, like... Like, for example, you might find, like, a handful of, like, missiles for, like, G.I. Joe vehicles. Or, like, or like the frame of, a uh, you know, Sergeant Slaughter's Triple T tank or something. Something like that. Like, the cockpit for one of those old-school Battlestar Galactica ones that fired, fired the missiles. It's all stuff like that. And you gotta, you gotta, like, dig and dig and dig. And, and you will find cool stuff. It's never, like, you're gonna find, like, carded G.I. Joes. But you might, you might find some G.I. Joe weapons. You might find some G.I. Joe parts, like a Transformer head 
an arm from a He-Man, but you got you got to dig. It's always it's always good stuff. So I was I was like going through there, and I I saw a stomper. I saw it said stomper on it. You know the little the little small trucks that were really popular back when I think it was in like fourth grade, fifth grade. I I really think they're cool, and I don't have any in my collection of junk right now because for whatever reason. Even though they were super popular and everybody seemed to have them, there doesn't seem to be a lot of them floating around. Like, I don't know if I've ever really, like, seen a big group of stompers out in, in at the flea market or whatever. So I saw one and I grabbed it. Then I saw another one and I grabbed it. Then I saw another one and I grabbed it. And I was like, I was pretty stoked. I went and I took them up to Allen really quick. I wanted to... I wanted to do some kind of an okie doke and get out of there there really fast because I know that sometimes these stompers can be valuable and I, I don't I never want to I never want to pay full price for for things like this so I went over there and I'm like yo I got these and he's like oh so you found the the stompers right he's like you can have for like two bucks each and I'm like oh that's cool man I I talked him down to five and I walked away with my my three stomps and then like then as I got a couple steps away I looked at him and I'm like wait these are stompers but they're not real stompers these are McDonald's stompers the kind that like they came from a happy meal they don't have motors they don't move like real stompers they do they do kind of like bounce up and down they have like a little little shock absorber so they're not like they're not entirely lame i'm not saying they're lame but like i thought i was getting over on my guy and i thought i was getting away with a bunch of stompers but i was in fact like taken by him he always he always gets me that's the thing i feel like i feel like i'm, I'm like a genius of collecting and that i'm always going to get over but this guy alan man this is his stuff these are his things he's always going to get over on you that's just you're playing in his court bro you got to accept it but i i got these th three stompers and that was cool i guess and then i got another one of those black yellow posters that i got a few weeks ago this one was for my bro i showed it to him to him and he was he was into it and i was like well there is another one there, and I'll see if I can find it, and find it I did, and I sent it to him, he's already gotten it, he's happy, I also, uh, what else did I get? I don't, I don't know, I got, I got the stomps, I got the Black Halo poster, I got a couple of rando action figures, I got a couple Daredevil comics, nothing, nothing really booming, here's, um, a small bit of, like, uh, flea market drama for the week, if you... If you've ever sold at the Mojo Sales, that's the one that's in the Kmart parking lot. If you've ever sold at this before, you're on her mailing list and you get like, you get this weekly newsletter with like everybody who's rented a spot and stuff. So it's like going in, I use this as like scouting material. I can look at, I can look at the chart and I can see, is my guy Alan here? Is Max going to be here with the comic book? Is the other comic book guy going to be here? And I, I know going in like what I'm going to get, but on this one, she had a... She had a poll. She wanted you to write back and say whether you thought that her flea market should run on the same days as the 40 and 8 flea market. The 40 and 8 is the flea market that is at the Vets building. It's four times a year during the summer. It's a charity flea market. It's a little more, it's a little bit more high end than the Mojo sales flea market. And there are four weeks of the year that they happen at the same time. And when this happens, the Mojo sales kind of takes the week off and then the big 40 and 8 is going. But she wanted to know. Should I run the same week as the 40 and 8? And people really heavily voted in favor of no, you should not. That it's better to have like one giant flea market than two two little ones. So they they voted no on that. But then, then she wrote back like this snippy, this real snippy reply about how she she tries to support the Mojo Sales flea market, but they don't try to support her back. And plus she has to pay for all the porta potties. And if she doesn't if she doesn't run a flea market, she's out a bunch of money, which I, you know, I believe is true, but she wrote this in, in, in a very snippy tone. So I wonder, 
I wonder if there's going to be some kind of drama going up. People are actually talking about this. They're just like, did you see Mojo's letter? Did you see the letter about how how she doesn't like the 40 and 8 anymore? So I, I know not. I know how this is... Uh, I know not how this is going to play out. If, if in the future you see the flea markets running the same week, you know that this is now like head-to-head competition, like when WCW moved to Monday to go head-to-head with Raw. Right now you got no head-to-head mojo slash 40 and ace, but you might. In the future you might. So that's something to look out for. Uh, I think that's about... I think that's about it. Please, my guys, hop on over to the Patreon that's on supportthereport.com. You got the Derek show. You got my workout mixes. You got at the movies with Icy Robots. I do that when I go to the movies. The other the other week, we talked about Elvis, uh, the Black Phone. We talked about John and the Hole. And we talked about Beavis and Butthead. And also Thor. It was like a super packed episode. That was really fun. The Derek show is going to be coming back soon. That one is always fun. Derek. Ed, Big Daddy Craig, Cool Kyle, Gerard Dipperdu, that's a meatball, and all those fine folks over there. So please, consider hopping over to supportthereport.com. If you listen, it's uh, it's a nice way to chip in, you know, help out. A lot of fun, um, a lot of fun stuff there. I, I feel like such a shill. But anyway, please, supportthereport.com. We will be back on the next episode talking about the rest of the sandwiches, dude. It's going to be fun. There might be some guests. It's going to be a hoot and a half. And uh, until that uh, happens, if you don't like what's going on in the news, go out there and make some of your own. I um, am bringing the organ. And you know I got to have that. Some people, some people, some people, some people, some people listen for history. Some people listen because they want a mystery. Some people listen, then say we're whack. But if they miss the show, they get the heart attack. Now look at you, you sit Slick blow. That's right. Yeah, I see Robots Radio is a listener supported endeavor. If you like what we do here and you look forward to new programming, consider helping us to bring fun stuff every week by heading over to supportthereport.com and tossing a few pounds into the hat. It's important to support things that you enjoy. Thanks and have a great week. Supportthereport.com Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. What's a Merlot Broham? You guys don't know what a Merlot Broham is. Oh, we it's a Cadillac. Everybody love everybody. spread. Spread, spread your bread and peanut butter. Add marshmallow fluff and have a fluff or nutter. I've never... Fruity spread. Spread, spread your bread and peanut butter. Add marshmallow fluff and have a fluff or nutter. I've never... Fruity spread, spread, spread your bread and peanut butter and marshmallow fluff and heavy. I see a robot, sir, radio.